Um, as Dan said, my name is Vince, and um, for those of you who don't know me or who maybe don't know this little fact, uh, I used to be on staff here at this very church. Uh, we left in 2015, and it's a great joy to be back uh, to, um, you know, do some, some preaching while you wait on your new pastor. If you're new here and you thought, hey, they're getting a new pastor, maybe this is the guy. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that used to be the youth uh, director or something like that. Um, and I just want to warn you up front, uh, sometimes I get a little loud, sometimes I get a little animated. Um, one of the, you know, sorry in advance. Uh, I, I did warn Roman to put me on a compressor uh, because it, it can get loud sometimes. Uh, we're starting a series in Jonah today. Uh, depending on how today goes, we may be ending a series in Jonah as well. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Jonah, and um, we will read Jonah 1, verses 1 through 6, together here. This is God's holy word. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. This is God's word. Father, we pray that you help us today to receive your word with open hearts, with transformed minds, and with praise on our lips. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So whenever I was a kid, I was probably, I don't know, 16 years old. Uh, my dad and I used to go fishing all the time. We lived about three hours from the coast. 
we'd hook up the boat early in the morning and we'd drive down there and, and fish all day. And, and man, we'd catch a lot of fish most of the time. Uh, it was February. Uh, if you're familiar with Texas, uh, Texas, it's still hot in February most of the time. I mean, it might start kind of cool in the morning, but it's going to be 50 in the afternoon. Well, what is that? 15? 10? Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice, okay? So anyway, we, we get there and it's cold and it's like, like raining sideways and the wind is blowing and the water's just crazy looking. And we're getting bait and the guys in the bait shop say, don't do it, guys. It's wild out there. And we're like, look, man, we've, we've been out on the water before. We're fine. We, we would go out to the, the offshore rigs and catch fish, right? We're, we're fine. We've done this before. And they're like, no, look, it's really bad. Well, we didn't listen. And we headed out. And as soon as we cleared the jetty and got into open water, we're, we're in a very small boat, okay? We're like, it's a 16-foot boat. It's not even like a 22-footer or anything. It's a little boat, and we're coming off these waves, and boom, and water's flying everywhere. And I'm looking at my dad like, man, what are we doing? And he says, yeah, it's pretty bad, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty bad. And he's like, what do you think? Should we turn back? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we turn. We're soaked by this time. We turn back. We get back inside the bay. And it's calm compared to where we just were, right? And my dad's like, hey, it's pretty calm. And I was like, yeah. He's like, what do you, th- what do you say we throw anchor and we, we cast toward the jetty there? I was like, all right, cool. So we threw the anchor out. Everything's fine. We're, we're there maybe 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, the wind changes direction. And, and a big wave comes right over the boat, swamps the boat. It sinks down to the gunwales, right, which is just the top of the the boat, if you're unfamiliar with mariner terms. I'm not a mariner, but anyway, sorry. Um, so the only reason it didn't sink is probably the grace of the Lord, and it was a foam-filled boat, okay? So we're try- like, I'm trying to pull us to the anchor because we got to get the anchor up so we can leave, right? My dad's trying to start the boat. It ain't starting. Oh, man. Dude, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, we almost died that day. Clearly, we didn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here this morning. Um, but we rejected the warning that was given to us. And we, we didn't heed the instruction. And, 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 and it nearly cost us our life. You see, warnings and instructions and commands always come with some type of consequences when disregarded or disobeyed. Sometimes those consequences are, are, you know, not that bad and they only cost us some time. Sometimes the consequences are a little more costly. They can come with some sort of discomfort. Maybe, maybe the cost is monetary. Maybe the cost is a little bit of pain. Sometimes they're a little bit more costly than even that. Come with some physical danger. They may leave us maimed. Or possibly even dead. Sometimes when the commands are, God, are from God, the consequences are more perilous for us. This text holds out a truth for us today. The disobedience to God's commands invites judgment. 
And we're going to see this unfold in, in kind of three pieces that build one on top of the other. See, we see Jonah go from disobedience to God. Then he moves into rejection of God. And finally, we see the judgment of God on Jonah. The judgment of God on his prophet that he sent to do something. And see, these things will show clearly that disobedience to God's commands invites his judgment. So let's get into our text and see what the Lord has for us this morning. Verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So first thing first, any time in your Bibles that you see the capitalized Lord, so it's large L, small caps, O-R-D, uh, that is like Bible code, if you will, not the Da Vinci code, that's false, that's fake, it's fiction, but it's Bible code for God's covenant name, Yahweh, okay? It's, it's always capped. So this is Jonah's covenant God, the keeper and, and initiator of the covenant, telling him to rise and go to Nineveh to call out against it because their sin has come up before God. He's, and he's not just saying like, hey, arise, like, hey, get up. No, it comes with like a note of like, there's urgency there. Jonah, get up. Time is running out for these folks. You need to go now. Judgment's on the way. And so he arises and flees to Tarshish. Many historians put Tarshish on the Atlantic coast of Spain. So he's going as far away from Nineveh as possible. Nineveh was in Assyria, right there by Babylon, present day Iraq and Iran area. So, so he's going as far as he can, the other side of the known world at the time, the place on the map furthest from Nineveh, that is where Jonah is going. But notice, he's not merely fleeing to somewhere. He's fleeing from someone. He's not merely going to Tarshish. He's running away from the presence of the Lord. Twice in one verse, it's stated that he is fleeing the presence of the Lord. So complete is his rebellion. He's not going. Brings up a question, right? What about you? 
What about me? Have we ever run from the Lord? Maybe today you're here and you're running for some reason. Maybe it's where the Lord has called you to work. Maybe it's the boundaries that He is laying down uh, regarding um, sexuality. Maybe you're just running from God thinking you can't serve a God who does things the way He does. If what Abraham Kuyper says is true, which I think it is, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord over all, does not exclaim, Mine, then our running is nothing but disobedience. And you see, we have to, we have to see the truth that this text is illustrating for us. Disobedience to God's commands invites His judgment. This brings us now to our second point, Jonah's rejection of God. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So now the Lord acts. This prophet is running from him. And so he acts just as he intended to act against Nineveh for their sin by sending a prophet to call out against them. He now acts against Jonah for his sin. You know, the thing that we have to realize as well that that this holds out for us, sin never damages just the person committing it. It has communal consequences. That's why the Bible's very clear when the Lord is giving the law to Moses, you must drive the evil out from among you. Jonah's sin has consequences for those around him. So often, you know, we're, in, we're tempted to think, hey, no, no one will be harmed by me doing this. It's not going to hurt anyone if I watch a little bit of porn. Hey, no one's going to be harmed if I tell a lie. It's just a little lie. It's really even just to help them. No one will know about me being lazy if I get all of my work done at the last minute. That one hits a little close to home for me. Sadly, these and many more lies we believe. And the reality of that is shown in the storm that rages around this ship. The Lord is the one who hurled the storm on them. Because of Jonah and his disobedience. 
This disobedience of Jonah brings a storm so bad that that the ship in the original language, it it literally says the ship thinks to break up. Like like the ship is like, I would rather not exist than to be in this storm right now. That's how bad the storm is. The ship was made to be on the sea, was made to go through storms and survive. And the ship is like, I'm out. I'm done. I've had enough hanging it up. You see, the Lord has now moved in this drama. And his movement is in the form of this deadly and frightening storm. These hardened sailors were in fear of their lives. See, they had seen death on the seas before. They had lost friends. And they know they can look at this storm and see it is a killer. It is a killer. And they start throwing stuff overboard to lighten the ship. So put yourself there for a minute. You're, you, there's, there's just like widespread pandemonium, okay? This ship is likely loaded down because it's going from Israel all the way to Tarshish, over there on the Atlantic coast of Spain, okay? It's carrying cargo. It's carrying enough food to make it. And, and it's got enough sailors to, to sail it. And, and they're running around, throwing stuff overboard. And they're yelling at each other. And they're, they're calling out to their God, probably very very frantically. And where is the guy who is the cause of all of this? There's one guy missing. Everyone on the ship, all hands are on deck. Everyone is doing something. Some are trimming sails. Some are loosening lines. Others are throwing stuff overboard. And the captain's like, I have not seen this guy. Where is he? And he's nowhere to be found. See, his disobedience... And now his full-blown, his rebellion has now come to full-blown rejection. He's not even concerned about the sailors calling out to vain idols and false gods that cannot save them. You see, they're rejecting God overtly. Jonah is rejecting him covertly by not calling out. By not helping. Have you ever thought, That your self-reliance and your lack of calling to God for help in the direst of circumstances is actually a rejection of God. You know, for some of us that are skilled in a lot of different ways, and we think, hey, do I actually need God's help? In this way. I'm really good here. Do I need his help here? If you're not calling out to the Lord. Even where you have great skill. It could be a rejection of God. It could be you saying, yeah, I don't need God. And here's the thing. The guy who knew God on the ship. The guy who the Lord had, like sent on a mission. Is rejecting him. 
He's not calling out to his God. And by not doing so, he's saying, I don't serve you any longer. I don't need you any longer. You can go on and end it now. I am done. Disobedience to God's command invites his judgment. And now we see the judgment. And that's up. Point three. Jonah one five, the second half of one five. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. See, we read earlier that Jonah sought to flee from the presence of the Lord. Well, now when God moves, you, you could basically you know, you could basically say, hey, uh, God is now telling Jonah, okay, okay, you want to flee from my presence? Let me take my grace away. Let me, let me throw this storm against you and, and have no thought of ease in this. You want nothing to do with me? No problem. Here's a mega storm. Here's, here's the 50-year storm for you, Jonah. How you like that? No grace, no help. Not for you, not for the ship, not for these pagan sailors that you could actually help. No, no, all of you are going down in this storm. Again, the ship is thinking to break up due to the fury of the Lord. The ship knows better than Jonah. And it's an inanimate object. It doesn't think or know, but it thinks to break up. There's no escape from this. Sailors are about to die and the prophet of God on the ship is asleep down below. You know, in the Old Testament, Israel was supposed to bring the nations to the Lord. The nations are on that ship. Jonah doesn't care. The nations, you could say, is who Jonah was sent to with Nineveh. He does not care. He is asleep. And what kind of sleep? You know, the ESV Bible translates it as fast asleep. In the original, it really means very deep sleep. Or, as theologian and hip-hop artist Timothy Brindle puts it, the sleep of death. That's really more aptly what the original gets at. For all intents and purposes, Jonah is as good to these people as a dead man. Therefore, The judgment of God comes to him. He wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, down to the ship, down into the ship. And then he went down to the inner parts of the ship and finally down into the sleep of death. Away from the presence of the Lord. God removed his grace. 
The grace Jonah didn't want others to experience is now removed from him and he sleeps the sleep of death. You could say that God is, is telling him in effect, you want to see how I treat dead men? They die and are broken apart and hurled to the depths. No grace, no peace, no love, no forgiveness. Dead men are good for being thrown into the sea, Jonah. And for us, this side of the cross, you could say something is always thrown into the sea. Either our sin, praise God for the work Jesus does, or ourselves as we're clinging to that sin. Jonah, clinging to his sin, is now about to be thrown to the depths. Sadly, he will drag others with him. Disobedience to God's commands invites judgment. Oh, church, you're probably sitting here going, I hope this is the last sermon this guy preaches. Hey, it is not all lost. Okay, it is not. We now come to the turn of this first part of the story. We, we come to the grace of God. See, so the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise. Call out to your God, perhaps. that God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. The captain is at his wit's end here. And again, he notices one guy is not there. He's not helping. He's not calling out to his God. You know, we've been doing all we can to save the ship, but it's not working. And, and, and he goes down and he finds him. He's like, dude, we need you. You're asleep. How can you sleep in this? And the book of Jonah is filled with ironic twists. And we come to the first one. The captain echoes Yahweh's words. The captain echoes the words of God to his prophet. Arise. Call out. Those words would have been an indictment to Jonah. The mocking parody of the captain comes to Jonah with the certainty of God's judgment on him. But look at the captain. Look at this pagan captain. Look at the way that he makes this request. Call out to your God. Perhaps he will give a notice to us. Perhaps he will give a thought to us that we may not perish. He knows that a God who can stop a storm like this and save them is not a genie in a lamp that you go to and you say, hey, hey God, Stop the storm. 
No, there's nothing they have other than to ask. And nothing but the compassion of the God they ask will move him. See, though, what we see also in the captain's speech is hopelessness. He sees the storm, he sees the damage, and he sees death coming, and he's pleading with Jonah. You're the only hope we have left because what we're doing isn't working. No one else's God has answered. And Jonah's not calling out. He doesn't want to call out. See, he's, again, fleeing God, Yahweh, his covenant God. He knows that to acknowledge that this storm is God's doing, he will have to acknowledge his disobedience and rejection of God. And then he will know that this is the judgment of God. That's why he's asleep. He's resigned to death rather than service to a God who would save Nineveh. This God who would save Nineveh has now brought death and judgment to Jonah. It's a dark hour in this drama. And you know, we can look at this story and think, Jonah, you're so dumb. Like, just go to Nineveh. That's all, like, just go. Who are you, oh man, to answer back God? Jonah, just go. We have to see we're no different from Jonah. See, we too have been disobedient to the command of God and have invited his judgment. Our sin may look different than Jonah's sin, but we are guilty as well. We have disobeyed God, and that disobedience has finally turned to rejection, and it invites God's judgment. All is darkness in this drama, but not there is hope. There's hope for the sailors. There's even hope for us. But this ship, there is hope. Why? Because the one who can call out to his God, there is one who can call out to his God and bring salvation to those on the ship. And do you know what Jonah means? It means dove. Those of us who have had the benefit of reading our New Testament, well, reading our whole Bible, we know that dove is a symbol of God's salvation, right? After the flood, it was the dove who came back to the ark with the twig in its mouth, right? And, and that's what let Noah say, hey, we are saved. And then it was the dove that descended. It was the spirit that descended as a dove and remained on Jesus. So, so there's, there's something going on here with this guy who's, whose name means dove, right? The dove is a symbol of the Spirit and the salvation that Christ accomplished for his people is now worked by the dove. There is hope. There is hope. And what about you? You know, maybe you're in a storm and everywhere you look is death. Maybe you've been involved in some sin that you can't shake away. Maybe you're a believer who, who's been hiding their sin. You know, maybe life is just hopeless right now. You keep trying to change and you can't. And you keep trying to do better and it never works out. 
and you've become hopeless. Maybe life is overwhelming and you're thinking of being like Jonah and just sleeping through it all. Maybe darkness has closed over you and you feel death swiftly approaching. You know, maybe you're not a a believer and, and darkness has truly become your only companion. Maybe you see no hope. No joy. The response is the same as the captain is telling Jonah. Arise. Call out to your God. The ironic words of the captain are true, but he does not know how true they actually are. God has given a thought to those who call out to him. But more than that, he has given a son. He's not just given a thought. No, he's given his unique one, his one and only son. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. These men are about to experience that death outside of God's intervention. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And and so outside of God's intervention, our sin will kill us as well. But God intervened. God gives more than a thought. He gives His Son, Jesus, who's been crucified for the sins of His people. He's taken our place before the judgment seat of God. He's taken our judgment upon Himself that we were due. The judgment that was approaching the sailors and Jonah has been absorbed by Jesus He took the full, furious, righteous judgment of God fully. And He stood in our place. Why? So that we might sit in His. As we read in Revelation, we will sit with Him where? On His throne. He was killed for our sin and buried and three days later He arose. And you know what he does now for his people? He calls out to his God day and night, forever, because he always lives to make intercession for us. That is what kind of thought our God gives to those who call out to him. the Son of God was raised up on the cross. And even there He called out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Maybe you're here today and you're not a believer. Maybe you haven't trusted in Christ's death to pay for your sins and, and you don't love him with your whole heart. Maybe, maybe you're a believer who's like, yeah, there's a God. There's got to be. But knowing that there's a God is not enough for salvation. And if that's you today, I, I want to 
invite you to place your trust and your faith in Christ, the, 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 the one who has paid for your sins. For there is only one name under heaven given by which men might be saved. Come to Christ now and experience hope in the darkness. It doesn't mean the darkness goes away. It means we can have hope in the midst of it. Experience the new life that is available in him. Arise. Call out and be saved by Jesus Christ who calms the storms and gives life. And maybe, maybe today you're a believer. And maybe you've been running, trying to flee the presence of the Lord. First, recognize your attempt will be just as futile as Jonah. And then come back. Repent. Come back to the Lord. Arise once again. Call out to your God who has given his son for you. Because disobedience to God's commands invites his judgment, but he has given our son, his son, to give us life. And there is no other truth that we need to leave here with other than that. Our disobedience invites judgment. God has made a remedy by sending his son whom we arise and call out to. Jesus, help me. That's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be some fancy prayer. Remember the tax collector who stood there in front of the temple and he beat his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he will. Because when we arise and call out to him, he responds in mercy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this gift that Jonah, the book of Jonah, is to your people. Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, we would be those who, while we need to be aware that disobedience invites judgment, we are more aware of your care and your faithfulness and your grace. Because every one of us stood under judgment. Every one of us deserved judgment and you gave us what we didn't deserve. You gave us the white robe of Christ. You gave us the, the, the righteous standing of Christ. You called us sons and daughters through Christ. Oh Lord, let us leave here aware of that and with that filling our hearts to praise you as we leave to tell others 
of your glorious grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.